But let me go ahead and get this out of the way and address the elephant. It's right there. It's right there. Um, yes, it was a difficult decision, but to, to say goodbye, to say goodbye. Um, I'm going to be traveling to be pastor at First Presbyterian Church, Glen Falls, New York, which is uh, just below St. George, uh, St. George, um, Lake George, uh, in the Adirondack Mountains. So I'm going to go back to my hills. They're not North Georgia. I'm in New York State. I'll make it work. But the real reason is, is I hear this voice in my head from my sweet wife, Kelly. Do not let that granddaughter of ours grow up not knowing about you and our family. And I feel called to be a Thanksgiving Day ride away from sweet little Rebecca so I can tell her about her grandmama that she never knew. So yes, next Sunday will be my last Sunday in the pulpit here. It'll be my last Sunday to serve with you. And I'll be here till the uh, working till the 26th and move sometime in August. But I feel good. This church is better today than it was when I got here six years ago. And you have done a great job. Pua. Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. This morning, and I've already heard some of you talk behind the door about how those people are going to handle my accent well. I've addressed that with them already. I told them this is how God talks. Get used to it. Well, this morning we're picking up in our gospel story back with Matthew. And go ahead and turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 11, or excuse me, Matthew 13. Um, and we're going to ease back into the gospel text. Matthew 13, to give it some context, um, Jesus has just done rounds with the Pharisees and scribes. He's been going head to head with them. And Matthew 13 is a very highly packed and dense a compilation of seven parables in one chapter, uh, seven short stories that outline for the disciples what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be like and what it is. Now, the kingdom of heaven for Matthew uh, is a term he likes to use in describing Jesus' present work among us. The kingdom of heaven wasn't some off-in-the-future event. The kingdom of heaven was now. And so, instead of giving us a deep theological lecture on what the kingdom of heaven is, Jesus uses storytelling to get the point across. Aristotle, the great philosopher, taught his students that whenever you teach, give a speech, or engage in discourse, you must, as the speaker, know the people with whom you're speaking to. Because if you know the people you're speaking to, you're going to be able to speak to them and not some other 
If you know the one you're speaking to, you can tailor the message to them and they will hear you. Well, this is exactly what Jesus is doing in Matthew 13. Jesus is using parables, brief sayings whose content is quickly relatable to the, to the common person, to the educated, to the not-so-educated. Jesus uses stories about farming, about nature, that the audience, his people in first century Palestine would know about, they could connect with. Oh yeah, Jesus, I know, I know what you're talking about. And yet, parables are funny things as well. Sometimes they're very easy to understand, while at other times they cause us as listeners to give a doggy head tilt and go, what? What, what, what does that mean, Jesus? And it forces us to dig deeper than the prima facie meaning of the text. In a parable, the story always points to something else something deeper than what we see at face value. So listen to the word of the Lord from Matthew 13, 1, verses 1 through 9, and then verses 18 to 25. That same day, that is the day Jesus was arguing with the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat there while, he, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. And then picking up in verse 18, he says again, Listen, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what is sown on the path. As for what is sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke it. It yields nothing. But as for what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in case 
a hundredfold, in another case, 60, and in another case, 30. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. As far as parables go, Jesus really throws us a softball on this one. We don't have to dig too deep, too hard to listen to what Jesus is describing. Um, He's talking about four different ways people respond to the kingdom of heaven. First, there are those that are just too busy or too full to hear the stories. All their cares, the little birds of their life, come down and like pigeons who walk around the base of a table and eat up anything that drops. Second, there are those rocky people who hear about the kingdom of heaven but have no interior root that helps them interpret what Jesus and what the kingdom is like. To put it another way, these people are what I call creasters. Those people who come to church on Christmas and Easter. Creasters. They don't try to grow their faith whatsoever, but simply come to church as part of their social expectation that is placed upon them by their family, usually the wife, or the culture that tells us, well, it's the right thing to do. These are like the parents who make promises at the baptismal font that they will raise their kids in the faith of Jesus Christ, teaching them the doctrines of the holy religion in order to help them learn about Jesus, and then they never show back up at church after the baptism. Those are rocky people. Next, there are those people who receive the seed They receive the good news about Jesus and the whimsical kingdom of heaven. But it gets choked out by the cares of the world. Instead of pushing roots down and out to find nourishment, these people succumb to the pressures of the day, the job, the kids, the finances, or their neighbors. And their faith is literally choked out like a fighter in the ring of the ultimate fighting championship when they have to tap out. And fourth and finally, there are those who receive the seed. They make room for the seed to take root and to grow. They care for the seed. They water the seed. They watch it produce an incredible harvest. The seed itself gets the opportunity to do what it's designed to do, and that is to grow and multiply and yield new life. Jesus reminds us that these are the people who hear, who listen, who understand the message and put it into practice. But I want us to hit a pause button for just a minute. Let's hit a pause button. Let's take a breath. You see, the way we typically hear this parable is to personally identify with one of the soils in the story, isn't it? We hear this parable read and we start clicking off in in our mind, okay, I'm not the hard-packed road. No, no, no. Um, I'm not rocky. I I have depth. Um, 
I turn to God when, when I'm in a scrape and, um, and I don't let the cares of, of life choke out my faith. And lastly, beg God, I'm in church this morning. I'm listening to the sermon. So I obviously, I obviously have good soil and I demonstrate faith to others. Yeah, I was a preacher. I always find it how funny how people hear this story and for the most part identify themselves as the good soil simply because they do churchy things. I have to chuckle because this is exactly what the Pharisees and the scribes and all the upright church folk were doing in Matthew chapter 12, right before our verses today. They thought they were the good soil. The churchy folk were put off when they found out Jesus was really talking that, folks, your soil is rancid. You're the problem. And in Matthew 12, 14, we read, But the Pharisees went out and conspired against Jesus how to destroy him. We don't like to think we're the bad soil, do we? This morning, I invite us to hear this parable from a little different perspective. Instead of hearing it and applying it to ourselves individually, let's hear it as I think Matthew originally intended it to be heard. Remember, Matthew was writing his gospel for members of the early Christian church. It's a story meant to tell second-generation Christians who Jesus was, what he came to do, as well as to paint a picture of what the church, you, are supposed to do to keep the story alive and growing within the community. You see, it's a story to second-generation folk. It's to the church. The First Nations version of the New Testament captures this beautifully in verse 19. And the First Nations translation was a, is a brand-new translation put out uh, written by um, indigenous people in our country. And it reads verse 19 like this. It says, The seed in this story is the message from the Great Spirit about His good road. The seed in the story is the message of the, from the Great Spirit about His good road. Our indigenous brothers and sisters call the kingdom of heaven, calls it something in a way that cuts through all the theological double talk. The kingdom of heaven of Jesus that Jesus speaks about is called the good road. The seed in the story is the message, the word from God about how we live and move upon the good road of life now. Not when we're dead, but about present tense. 
How do we live along the road now? It's written to and for the church. All y'all, me. So church, let me ask you, how well are we walking, living, moving along the good road? What type of dent in the world are we knocking out for the kingdom of heaven right now here in Broward County and beyond? Church, how well are we abiding by Jesus' first word in our story? A word that it repeats three times. Did you catch it? The first word Jesus utters is, Hey! Pay attention. Listen. He repeats it again in verse 9. He repeats it again at verse 19 or 18. Listen up, church. Listen. Dale Bruner, retired professor at Whitworth University in Washington, says today's parable is about the seed and the soil, that the soil gives the moral imperative that the church's primary responsibility in this life, the church's primary responsibility is to, quote, listen with one's life to the seed of the Word of God. Church, are we listening? Are we giving room for the seed of the kingdom the good road in the present tense to find room and nourishment to grow? Have American Christians become so dull to a living faith we've ceased being church? We're a relic, have we? Church, have we become too rocky and impenetrable that we are reticent to give up, quote, the way we've always done it before because that worked 25, 30 years ago. It'll work today. And will we allow new seed to be planted and grow? Church, have we become too focused on how many butts are in the pew and how what our financial condition is that we get so wrapped up in the minutiae we are forgetting the ministry we're called to execute? Church, are you individually as a community cultivating deep into your spiritual soil so that when the seed of Christ's word lands in this church's heart and life, it will blossom. Bruner sardonically reminds us, Quote, Matthew's Jesus is aware that probably the major scandal in Christianity, not less for Christians themselves, is that comparatively few live as such. In other words, brothers and sisters, our story reminds us that only 25% of us who comprise the church even get it. Three quarters don't. 
As another commentator writes, a seed contains the forces of life and transformation. It encapsulates potential. But as potential, its actual future is open. Is open. The seed has potential, but its future is open. Church, what open future shall we grow into? Church, let's forget the soil. Let's focus on the seed, the gospel that Jesus promises us, that we can live on God's good road now. Right now. Church, let's put ourselves in the character of the sower in the story today. How well are we with reckless, wild, abandoned, scattering seed everywhere like a kindergarten out in the yard? Imagine a kindergartner. They're not going to be intentional. No, they're going to grab seed and wing it everywhere. How are we doing that with reckless, enthusiastic abandon? Leaving God's Spirit room to work. That church, that right there, is what Jesus is calling us to listen, to hear. That's what Jesus is asking us to act upon. Back in the 1980s, scientists in Norway began storing seeds endemic to Norway in an abandoned coal mine on a remote island called Spitsbergen. And since that time, it has evolved to become the Svalbard Global Seed Vault, where seeds from around the world are kept safe in order to protect the world's global food supply. They're buried deep in this coal mine. Friend, for too long, American church has behaved as though we are a spiritual version of this Svalbard global seed vault, keeping the winsome seed of the gospel, the kingdom of heaven, the way of the good road, hidden and locked away for safekeeping in case we need it. Beloved, our world is dying. Our world is dying. The ocean was at 97, 98 degrees this weekend. It's killing things in the ocean. You can't even go in the ocean to cool off anymore. It's like sitting in a, a hot tub. The world, look around. Systems, cultures, the way we treat each other, it's dying. Friends, we need to throw open the doors and spread the story of Jesus as winsomely, as enthusiastically, as purposefully as we can because the world needs Jesus. Oh, the world needs Jesus. Church, 
Listen. Are we listening? And the people of God said, which or? Amen. Pray with me. Spirit of life. So often, we want to lump ourselves into the 25% who get it. Help us to really reflect that statistically we're probably one of the other fourths that don't. Holy Spirit, haunt us as individuals, as a church. To winsomely share the way of God's road, the way of the kingdom of heaven. For Lord, we need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Help us as your church to do something about it. And all of God's people said, Amen. Friends, I invite you to stand. Let us sing with joy our closing hymn.